God right now is seeking you. Why? Because you are worth seeking. You are worth saving. You are worth loving. You were and you continue to be and you always will be to him worth dying for. It is wonderful to be a part of a church community that is so passionate about sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Pastor Kevin this morning is sharing in Palmerton Live. That's a pretty exciting thing to have that wonderful opportunity and just to see the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with many communities around us. It's also fantastic to be a part of a church community that is excited for VBS and, and just what has happened to our stage. To not only be willing to let this happen to our stage, to be excited about it. To come in this morning not with the attitude that says like, that rocket is blocking my screen. It's blocking my screen. But to have the attitude that says, this is fantastic. The opportunity just to share the good news of Jesus Christ with kids so they can come and feel welcome to know that they are invested in, that they are important. That is a wonderful blessing. It's part of what has made my family coming here just so grateful. Grateful to be here and just really feeling welcome and loved. We as we begin, I figured it was important that I introduce myself to you just a little bit. Some of you know myself and my family. We had the opportunity to serve for seven to eight years here as the pastor of family ministries, but that was six years ago. So many of you are looking at me, and, and I've heard what you're saying. You're like, who is this guy who's been sharing at times in service? I mean, he's got great hair, your words, not mine, but <laughs> he's got that great hair, but like, who is he and what is he doing? Where does he come from? Let me introduce myself to you then just a little bit. My father was from Shemokin, Pennsylvania. I grew up in central Pennsylvania. My mother was from a place called Richfield, Pennsylvania. Her family was Mennonite and um, from kind of a farming community, a farming family. We had the wonderful opportunity for myself to be raised in central PA. I consider myself fairly Pennsylvania Dutch, as you can guess from that mixture, that that is the case. In fact, moving into Lehigh and just a little bit away from Heinzelman's Meat Market, as I walked in there and I saw ring bologna and meat sticks and chicken pot pie, I said to myself, this is home. This is, this, is, this is everything I need in the world, right? It's all right here. And it's been wonderful getting settled in. Our only battle, of course, in all of that is having lived just down the hill in Triclers before and going to Thompson's Meat Market. I faced this really hard decision of like who I'm supposed to support. And this really bothered me. Like this is the hardest thing that has bothered me. So I went with the really difficult decision to, of course, support both of them as much as possible, right? Abs absolutely, why not? I grew up in a town called Middleburg, Pennsylvania. You probably don't know about Middleburg at all, but you do know what we're famous for. We are the home of the Middlesworth potato chips, the greatest potato chips the world has ever known or ever seen or ever will. And I, will, I can debate and converse with you about a lot of things, but I will not debate that their barbecue potato chips are the greatest things to ever happen to potato chips in the history of this world. They, they just simply are fantastic. My brother Jason and I would regularly, on a weekend, we'd sit down, we'd watch a movie. During that movie, we'd have that weekender bag of chips, you know, the one that's supposed to last a weekend, whatever. And we would just like burn through a whole bag of barbecue during one movie. That's just the way life is supposed to be, right? And it is great to be back where Middlesworth potato chips and ring bologna and all those wonderful things are, and of course, where you are. Growing up, I'll be honest with you, I had a really great family and, uh, and a really kind and, and nice upbringing. My father was a Wesleyan pastor and my family was a Christian family. And so obviously we had our things. We were not perfect. No one in our family was perfect, but, but I'll be honest, I had a pretty good childhood and, and upbringing in that. And if, if I struggled with anything, I struggled with the thing that I believe most young people struggle with. And then most of us, even as adults, all of us really, we continue to struggle with if we'll be honest about it or not. 
I struggled with understanding my value, how I should view myself, how I should and where I should place my identity in. Who am I and, and what makes me special, we could say. And, and I struggled with that and understanding that and then recognizing how that value, that view of myself, then impacts how I value and view other people in the world around me and how I treat and live and love in this world and with my life. Now, growing up, my father was that person who instilled in me the thought that, that if you work hard, you can make something of yourself. So work hard, believe in yourself, and go make something of yourself. Believe in your future. And I had that, but it was balanced with my mother, who specifically through her struggle and battle with breast cancer, had just lived a life fully reliant on God and on who he is and his love and value and plan for her even in that. And so while I grew up believing in myself, I'll be honest, it was tempered, it was controlled by the thought that, that my real value, who I really was, that was found not in myself, not in my gifts, not in my abilities, but in my creator, in my savior, in my God who loves me so much. And I believe that's important for each and every one of us. How we view ourselves, the lens through which we view ourselves, the foundation that is our identity, is that, and what that is placed upon is so incredibly important to how we live our lives and how each and every one of us will go forward into this world, be it on social media, be it on Facebook, be it in, in conversations, at church, at home, at school, wherever. And that's going to influence how we live and, of course, how we love with our lives. Today we're going to look at an individual. We heard the scripture story read about Jephthah. We're going to look at this individual, Jephthah, who struggled with his identity, his self-worth, and unfortunately it left him missing the full life that God had for him. And we hope you hear and know that. At Bethany Wesleyan Church, BWC, our mission, our purpose and desire, what we do is not buildings, it's not services, it's not ministries, even though these things are fantastic, right? What it is, it's, it's people who, who are seeking to help each other find purpose and understanding and place in God's kingdom and recognizing that in God, in Jesus Christ, we not just have the promise for our eternity, we have the promise of a full life here and now. As Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, for the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and have it to the fullest. That is our desire, is to bring to each and every one of us that full, abundant, overflowing life. We recognize that Jephthah, he probably missed out on that. The Old Testament book of Judges, we find this moment in Israel's history. And so this is a moment in Israel's history where they're settled into the promised land. They're settled into their land, but they don't have kings yet. So King David hasn't come into the picture yet. They're in the promised land, and when trouble would arise, when they need it, God would raise up a judge. That's why it's called judges, to kind of rule over them and to lead them in these moments. Sometimes the judge was someone who's just a really wise person and could give direction. Other times the judge was a war leader, and they led them in battle against someone Specifically in this moment, in Judges chapter 11, we find ourselves in a moment, the Israelites are pretty familiar with themselves. They've messed up, they've turned away from God, and because of that, God has allowed a neighboring nation to come in and to smack them a little bit, all right? And actually, not just a little bit, Scripture actually tells us in this moment in Israel's history, they have been crushed, shattered, and oppressed for 18 years. And Scripture tells us that God could could bear the misery of his people no longer. And so it was the time to raise up another judge to lead them in this moment. 
And so Jephthah comes into the picture as this judge, specifically in a moment when the Ammonites, they're calling together their army, and they're in this moment where they're just about to go and smack Israel again, go and take advantage of them again, and God calls this individual Jephthah forward, the judge for the season. Now Jephthah's story, his background, is a bit different than previous judges that we've seen. He is a social outcast. He is someone who, for the most part of his life, has been cast out from family, from friends, from community, from his nation and home. And Jephthah has to deal with feeling inferior. Jephthah's story, as we read, it starts with difficulty. He's born outside of marriage. His father is married, but not to his mother. And so his father has sons with his wife, and those sons grow up and they think to themselves, wait a minute, should we... Should we share our inheritance with this guy? Of course we shouldn't. We, we're not going to share and do that. This guy, he's, he's illegitimate. And so they, they chase him out of their family. But it goes further than that. We find that Jephthah is not only chased out of his family, he's chased out of his community as well. And, and we find that he doesn't have a, a home. He's chased away from all of that, all that he would call home, all of those things. And we see that as he has these feelings of illegitimacy, as he is forced from his home, he is put in a place where he recognizes he has been rejected from everything he knows. He flees to this place called the land of Tob or the land of Tob. Now, you don't need to remember that for any reason at all, the land of Tob, except that when I hand hear the land of Tob, my brain goes to like a Disney story, right? I hear the land of Tob and I'm just like, that's the place where they grow candy canes and lollipops. Like that is what is in my brain. He's in the land of Tob and he's there and he, he serves in the land of Tob and he, he actually starts to be a leader. And actually what scripture says is that he becomes such a leader in the land of Tob with the candy canes and the lollipops that he, he begins to lead a gang kind of in Disney fashion, right? Scripture actually uses the word that says he leads a gang of scoundrels, scoundrels. I mean, if I could make this story any better, I would just switch out the word scoundrel for scallywag, just because I feel like that would up it a little bit, like if he led some scallywags. But yeah, he leads some scoundrels there in the land of Tob. Israel are in a tough moment, and they need a leader. The Ammonites are gathering together. They're just about to come back and smack them. And so the Israelite leaders gather together. They look for a leader, and they, they look to the land of Tob. And there, amongst the candy canes and the lollipops and the raspberries and the butterflies, they say, there's that guy Jephthah. He's a mighty warrior, and God is blessing him. Maybe he can be our leader. So they take off to meet with Jephthah. I imagine they had to skip along the way there, right? Because that's, that's how you would travel to the land of Tob. They get there and they present their case. Jephthah, we want you to be our leader. We want you to lead us to war and be our leader in this moment. Two things we see from Jephthah in response to the Israelites. First, we see that he has faith in God. He knows very clearly that if they're going to face victory, it's not from Jephthah, any gifts or graces or things that he has specifically about himself. It will be the gifts and graces that God gives him and gives them over the situation. God will bring the victory. The second thing that we see from Jephthah is we see that rightly and relatably, he has some doubts. He has some doubts about the Israelites' leadership. He wants to know, you're going to let me lead? And if by God's doing we win. I'm going to continue to be your leader. Me, the guy you kicked out, the guy you drove off, the guy who wasn't good enough, the guy who didn't measure up, the guy who was illegitimate, this guy, you're going to let me be the leader. His feelings make complete sense. 
Up into this point, Jephthah's life has been defined by being unwanted, feeling inferior, facing rejection, and knowing by cultural standards that, yes, he is illegitimate. The dream side of us, right? That part of us that sees the land of Tob, thinks about the skipping and the lollipops and all those things, we want to think like, well, this, this is an easy situation, right? The dream, the Disney side of us, that side wants to say, you just, the, the keys to victory are right there. Just, just brush off. Brush off those hurt things of the past and, and move forward into this victory and move forward into something more. But the truth side of us, the side of us that is, lives in reality, right? The side of us that has had hurtful things said to us in the past, the side of each and every one of us that has faced rejection before, that side of us knows that these are internal things, that these are cuts that cut deep that these are experiences that will stick around with anyone and everyone. Experiences that attach to our identity and, and impact how we view and how we value ourselves. Jephthah has been cut deep, and the scars are really deep. They are. The feelings are real, and they don't simply go away. He feels he wasn't born right. He was unloved and unwanted by his family, and his community, they rejected him as well. For so many of us, we feel and we identify with this too, right? Our identity has been defined by rejection, by feeling unwanted and unloved, by the belief that we are, for one reason or another, inferior and illegitimate. Our stories may feel close to Jephthah's. We have those feelings because of our birth, or it could be because our family rejected us or simply deserted us or never seemed to be happy with us, or it could be from our community, from a desire to fit in at school, at home, at work, at church, and it never quite worked, and we never felt like we, we belonged, or maybe it's simply our own lives that we look at ourselves and we judge ourselves and we say, I'm not having the success I want, I'm not measuring up, I'm not stacking up, I'm not where I want to be. This I want you to know. Those feelings are real. And no, they cannot simply be brushed off. And I am incredibly sorry that you've had this experience and that you have been hurt. But here is what good news I can give you in this moment. God understands your feelings. And he still sees your incredible worth. No matter the situation around your birth, no matter the feelings of your family, no matter the mistakes you've made, no matter the rejection of the world, no matter how out of place you may feel from one moment to the next, God sees your worth and he loves you. And he has gone further because like Jephthah, God has given you gifts and abilities and he wants you to be a part of his plan. Right now in whatever hurt or feeling that you have, whatever, whatever cuts you're experiencing, God wants you to be a part of his plan. And his hand is spreading around the world and around your community, around your life right now to make that reality. Despite all that has happened to Jephthah from illegitimate birth to family and social rejection, God had a plan for his life. The feelings Jephthah has, the hurts, they are deep. So are yours. I know that they are. God knows that they are, but he wants you to know that you were meant for more. I encourage you to not let them hold you back any longer. You, you were meant for more. Jephthah was meant for more. We see that here. The Israelites, they give them the best guarantee that they can. You're going to be our leader. And something about what they say, it convinces them. And he says, all right, I'll do this. 
I'll be your leader. It was probably more about God than the Israelites, right? But he decides to do this. He first tries to make peace with the Ammonites, but they're not interested. Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God takes a hold of Jephthah and he leads the Israelites to war. The moment is shaping up. And for those of us who have seen what God does in the Bible before, right, we know what's going to happen here, right? We see the situation shaping up. We know that God is involved. We know that, that victory, that triumph, that everything perfect is coming. The moment is coming. It's wonderful. Jephthah leads his people out. Everything is shaping up. Everything is going to be wonderful. It's going to be, even though we know it's not a Disney story, right? We know it's going to be the perfect ending. Everything is going to fall just in place. Except one thing, right? Except one thing. Something about Jephthah. Something from his past, probably these feelings of inadequacy, illegitimacy, and rejection. He just doesn't quite feel like he is enough. And he really thinks he needs this win. He wants to fit in with these people. He wants to belong. He wants to be accepted. He wants to feel good about himself. He wants to have this victory for himself and for others. He wants to have this moment and he, he needs it. And so Jephthah does something rather rash. Jephthah makes a vow to God. Now this is something that God doesn't want God doesn't ask for. This is kind of a pagan thing. It's not part of worship to God. It's not how God works. It's not something God asks for. God doesn't want this, but Jephthah feels he needs it. And so he makes a vow to God. God, if you give me victory whenever I return home, the first thing that comes out of the door to my house, I'll sacrifice to you. What? Right? Like anybody else with me in this? That's does this sound like a good idea? Absolutely, it does not sound like a good idea. This could be anything, anything. But Jephthah feels he needs to make this vow. He doesn't believe in himself enough or he doesn't believe in who God has made him to be. And he makes a vow that we know will haunt his life. Why would Jephthah do this? Why? Because he felt inferior. Jephthah is allowing himself to be defined by the world and how it has defined him. He saw his own failings and weaknesses. He remembered how people viewed him. He allowed himself to be defined by that rejection and inadequacy in his life and in himself. And so he makes this rash vow. It would seem crazy, right? Like this moment, this vow would seem crazy to us if it wasn't so clearly, relatably, and honestly human. In this moment, I won't speak for you. I'll just speak for myself and say that it, this would seem crazy if I know that I didn't often in my own life try to do just the same thing, right? To fit in, to belong, to feel like I was someone of value, to feel like I had something good to give if I didn't do just as ridiculous of things. I encourage you to listen and lock this away. If you hear nothing else in this time together this morning, I encourage you to listen and lock this away. When we base our decisions and actions upon the worth and acceptance that others bring us, we make unhealthy decisions. Let me say that again. When we base our decisions and actions upon the worth and acceptance that others bring us, we make unhealthy decisions. You can't prove to other people that you are enough. And let me take that burden from your shoulders. You weren't meant to. And may we also say the other side of that, right? Other people aren't meant to make you feel like you are enough. No relationship here on earth was meant to make you feel like you are enough. Yes, we need the care of others. 
Yes, it absolutely hurts when others don't love and care and appreciate us, especially in relationships where we feel like they should. But in the end, what we base our lives upon is not how others see us, but how our God of love sees, views, and values us. Recent psychological studies show that the greatest input into our happiness is the compassion that we will have for ourselves. Meaning, will we forgive ourselves? Will we value and how will we, what will we value ourselves by? May we shape how we see ourselves, how we value ourselves, not by the value of others, not by the eyes and the judgments of others, but by the value that God sees in each and every one of us, that he sees in you. In Isaiah 49, 14 to 16, I love these words. It says this, it says, Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I, God, would not forget you. See, I, he has written your name on the palms of his hands. He has written your name on the palms of his hands. That is your value to him. You are on the palms of, your, of his hands. God right now is seeking you. Why? Because you are worth seeking. You are worth saving. You are worth loving. You were and you continue to be and you always will be to him worth dying for. That is your value. That is your worth. God made you, he loves you, he has a plan for you. So much so that he has further, he has given you gifts and graces to be a part of his plan in this world. He has given you gifts and graces to be a part of his plan in this world. I don't know about you, but I know that for myself, I need this. I need this truth, this understanding that I'm in God's hands, that he loves me and values me so much, I need that every single day of my life. If I can be transparent with you this morning, in this moment, I would just let you know that I'm going to need this later today, this truth. I'm going to need it tomorrow and I'm going to need it the day after because I'm going to spend the next few hours, the next few days questioning all of this. If I can be honest with you, I want to make a great impression, right? I want you to, to have something value from this time. I want you to like me. I want that. I'm not going to hide from that truth. It's there. It's me. It's, it's, it's my understanding in this. I want that, and I will spend time questioning this moment, the laugh that I missed, the moment where I didn't communicate something right, the thing that I could have done better, the way it could have been more. And I will have to continually return to God and say, it's not about that, God, help me, because I know it's not about that, but my brain wants to make it about that, and God, I need your help in that, because I know it's not what it's about, but it's there with me all the time. I need this truth. I know that I need it because I live in a world where I want to love people, but I also don't want to allow myself to get run over. Do you ever face that, right? Finding that balance in our world of like, I don't want to be run over, but I want to love, and I need to find my way through that. And so much of that comes in how I will view my value. See, most of us, we can do one of two things. I can look at myself, and I can see my skills, my gifts, my abilities, this amazing hair. You're with me. All right, so... I, I can see all those things and I can, I can value myself from that. And if I see them and I think they measure up, if I say, great job, you hit a home run, whatever, like I get in that mood, right? If I let that happen, what happens? 
If I let it depend on that, I start to go up and everyone else starts to go down. And guess what I become? The real answer is I become a jerk. I become a jerk to myself and everyone around me. I would encourage each and every one of us here, look at yourself for a moment. If you've let yourself go up a little bit too much, you're starting to put everyone else down, you probably don't know it, but the people around you, they do. You're turning into a jerk. It's the simple truth in that. That's the one side. The other side is I'll look at myself and I'll see this person and I'll see all the mistakes. All the things that didn't measure up. Ways I should have been better, the ways I should have been more. No matter what happens successfully or good, right here, right here, I'm going to feel empty. I'm going to think I'm not enough. As I've already kind of shared my heart, you can imagine which one of those two ways that I kind of naturally lean. And it will be hard to not feel like I'm not enough. But there is a way through that. A way that I can value myself and I can value others and find the right balance in that. See, the right balance is found when we find our value, our worth, our identity in how our God who loves us in how he views us. In him I know my value and story isn't about me, my abilities, my past. It is about him, what he can and will do in my life. In this way, if I could be honest with you, I am both lifted higher than I ever could achieve personally because in him and in his gifts and in his grace, I will be more. And you, whatever your story, whatever your past, whatever the story of your birth and rejection, whatever, you will be more. But even more than that, what's great is I will recognize that I am still in that greatness. I am still no better than everyone else because everyone here, everyone in my life, in my world, no matter what they look like, no matter who they are, they have the potential for the gifts and graces from God to do great and wonderful things. And I am no better than anyone else in this world. Jephthah led the Israelites to victory. He set them up for him and for the next three judges to lead peacefully for 30 plus years. 30 plus years of peace came to the nation. But I can only imagine that Jephthah felt none of that peace, really. When he returned home, the first person out of the door of his house was his only child, his daughter. Scholars still argue to this day about what happened to her. Did Jephthah physically sacrifice her or did he just sacrifice her to service to God. I like to believe the latter one because it just sits better on my head and my heart, but, but we don't know. What we do know is he lost his only child. I have to ask myself, what have we, what have I been sacrificing to prove to others what we, what I am worth? What have we been sacrificing to prove to ourselves what we are worth? Your worth, your worth, your worth has already been proven by the incredible sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. It is proven. Know that right now God is seeking you. He is saving you. He is in every moment reaching out in love to and for you. So what does this mean for us? As we close, I figured... I'd introduce you to a little bit more of my life. I've introduced myself a bit, but let me introduce you to my better half, my wife, 
Julie, who is here and is a part of this time together. She's over here to the side. My wife, Julie. Now, when you see my wife, you probably see someone who you expect has been held up her whole life. This amazing woman who's parent to three great kids. I understand I'm biased. It is what it is. Three great kids. She has her master's in marriage and family therapy. She's licensed in Pennsylvania. She has, of course, rightly had the straight and narrow path, right, to get to that place of accomplishment, to look this beautiful and wonderful and all of those things. Obviously, she's had this straight path. What you don't see, don't know, is that because of addictions and selfish decisions, her earliest memories are clouded with abandonment and rejection. She had a mother she lost to addiction and the lifestyles that came with it. And father who spent most of her young life in prison from those same darknesses. She had close family. I'm sorry this one hits me, and I deal with this a little bit in my own self. She had close family who could have adopted her, could have cared for her, very close family, only to pass. And so my beautiful wife's picture as a child was placed in the local paper as a hard-to-place child in search of a home. She would move from home to home, and when she even was adopted, her family, from their own issues, would get involved with the adopted family only to lead further rejection for Julie to have to face and deal with. All of that, of course, bringing rejection and feelings of inferior, inferiority, feeling inadequate. She has described to me someone who has probably, in this moment, feel like I was pretty pampered with my childhood, right? She has described to me growing up in moments where I was just worried about smiling and playing baseball and soccer. She has described to me growing up in one house or another doing everything she could not to make a wave. It wasn't about being not enough. It was about being not an inconvenience to the people in her life. I know those feelings and that rejection, it is all still there. It is all still real. Even to this day, she has to monthly or weekly swallow one gut punch or another as family seems to not care, not see, not appreciate, not love. This is why it amazes me every day that my wife is filled with such strength, such care, and such compassion for others. She has every reason to only be able to think of herself, but she continually puts others first. How is that possible? It is possible because she knows her worth isn't found in the opinions of others, but in the love of her God. Her God who sees her, who loves her, who even in this moment is reaching out for more and more and more of her. Don't get me wrong, I see behind the veil. I see behind the veil of her life and I know she battles with this all the time. That rejection, it comes back and it comes to the surface. Rejection, new and old, she faces it all the time but she knows where her identity is found. Not in the opinions of others, not even in the opinions of me, but in the love of her savior, Jesus Christ. And I see our children daily benefit from a mother who is not perfect, but who can give everything only because she is secure in the everything. This is why, again, it is so important that our identity is found, our value, is found in God and in his love. Nothing else allows us to live so freely, selflessly for others, even for ourselves, with our lives, and with our love. So as we close, what do we do with this? 
I felt like first service ended, if I can be honest with you, like a little like heavy. I don't want it to be heavy. I know that this is, this is something to grasp and this is important to us. And I guess when I come into this moment, I recognize that the first thing I need to do is just be honest about my situation, right? And so I start, and I would encourage you to start with confession. Confess in this moment. We confess that we have a desire to meet the needs of the world around us. I do it, and it impacts me. I, I have a desire to rate myself, to value myself by the things that have been said and done to me, and I've allowed cuts in my life to hurt me deep. And we confess our need for the approval of others, and we ask God to help us with that. God, help me. Help me when I, I feel the need to value myself by how others see me. And then I accept. And I encourage you to allow your heart to be full and filled this morning because it is our desire that we accept the love of God. And we ask God to help our ability to truly be loved by him, to accept that love, to accept how he sees us. We see God and we say, God, help me to accept your love. Help me to accept that I am loved, that you really truly love me, and that you've given me gifts and graces in this world, and that I, that you, are someone of value. Accept that truth. You are someone of value. God created you, and he died for you. And that is your truth. And finally, may we live here, leave here living boldly for him. Living boldly because we are gifted and graced in value. What does that mean? It means that God values you, values you so much that he has given you gifts, abilities to be used in his kingdom for his purpose, for his plan. That is how important you are. And then the grace is part of that. That means that God is actively involved in your life. He has gone before you. He is here in this moment and he will work in the future so that the world is set up for your gifts and your success for his kingdom. May you step forward boldly in this world because you have value and you have gifts and you have grace, God's grace in your life to go forward into this world and to make a difference. And so I encourage you, go forward and for the people that you love, change them, love them, be Jesus Christ in their lives. Would you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, God above, God, I come before you this morning and I confess. God, I confess that there are moments where I seek my value and worth and approval in others. The way the world treats me and wanting to fit in and belonging and in all of those things, God, in, in my family and in, in all of those feelings, God, I confess it to you, God, and I ask for your help with that. God, help me. Help me to accept more of your love. Help me to believe that I am really truly someone of value and of worth, that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, that you believe in me, that you've invested your gifts and your grace in my life. Help me to believe that truth, God. Help me to live it, and no matter what is in my past, God, help me to accept and live in your love. God, as I go forward in this world, I'm going to live boldly for you. God, if there are hurts and cuts that are in my life, 
God, help me have the conversations that I need to have. Help me not to be afraid of, of the value of counseling, of talking to someone, of, of dealing with those hurts and moving forward, God. And God, help me. Help me to recognize that the value in my life, the gifts and the graces that are there enable me to make a difference in this world. So may I charge forward into my relationships and my friendships to those people who God before or maybe the people who hurt me, maybe the people that I'm looking for, for comfort in, I'm looking for belonging in. Let me go to those places, those relationships and let me be your love there. Free from the weight of the world alive in the value of your love for me and willing and bold to be your love, your care to the world around. God, that is my prayer. I ask that for each individual here. And God, if there is that individual here this morning, my heart goes out who is just dealing with a past that has cut them deep. God, help them to see the value they have in you. Help them to see how much you love them, what you have for their life. Bless them with that confidence. And as we sing this last song, God, may it be the truth of their story and their future. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.